This. this this is the Dental Experience Podcast. Here's your host, Ryan Vett. Welcome to another episode of the Dental Experience Podcast. I'm super excited to have with me today Jeff Gladnick, the founder and CEO of Great Dental Websites. Welcome, Jeff. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Of course. And as I've looked at your journey over the years, and we've talked a little bit, and I've gotten to know you, we share a very similar story, and I know you'll share your story in just a moment, so I'm not going to steal your thunder. But another thing that we have in common is the fact that we both love trying to work the system to get the most points we can with our credit cards and most miles we can. And I think you have some secret tips to get epic trips. Is that the case? Uh, yeah, I've, I've gotten, I remember reading about like people that would take trips like that a long time ago and wondering if it was real or not, or if this was just like a scam to get you to sign up for credit cards. And I, I dug a little deeper and running a business as most dentists do, um, you have access to control a lot of the ways that, you know, you buy things and which credit cards they go on. And I figured out that if you kind of, if you plan ahead and you have a process, you can fly around the world, you know, a couple times a year for free with the whole family in business class. And it's, it's real. Um, and I've been able to successfully do that um, many, many times. I'm happy to share details of specific trips, but the, the yeah. drastic change in, in experience um, from before and after, like at the airport and the whole thing is, is night and day. It's gone from hating flying to almost enjoying the flying part of the experience for the travel as much as the travel itself. Absolutely. And they treat you like royalty. And I know many times on the show, we've talked about different experiences that credit and the more miles you obtain with airlines, the more perks you get. And so at the end, I would love for you to share with the audience a little bit more about how they can implement some of those into their practices and their business and even their life so that uh, on Christmas morning, they can be landing in Australia and having an all expenses paid, beautiful vacation uh, in some five-star hotel somewhere flying first class from uh, the U.S. mainland. It can be done. But that's not why why you're here. I, I've got you here today because you're an expert and you're an authority on really someone's first impression when they interact with a dental practice. The majority of patients now are looking online for a dental practice. And as we've shared the statistics on the show before, seven to nine people are searching for a new dentist every single day in any given zip code that you pull around the U.S. And if you times that by the ADA average patient value of about $650 a year, that's almost $150,000 of monthly revenue you can get from new patients. So having a big presence online is absolutely critical to growing a practice and running a successful business. And you figured that out many years ago. Your dad is a, a dentist. Uh, he had a problem. And so tell me about the problem you tried to solve for him. So um, I, I remember when I was in college, I did um, electrical and computer engineering, and I was more of a software guy. So that was the direction I went with my career. And I got into software engineering. And I was working out in San Francisco at a startup because that's what you do. If you're in software, eventually you, right. you got to go to Mecca. And um, my dad called me and he, he needed a new website. I had made him one like six or seven years before that when I was in college and it was just dated and didn't really function well as well anymore. And he needed a new one. And I didn't have any time. I was working at a startup and working startup hours and I offered to help him find um, a company to do it. And the prices were crazy. I didn't like what they were proposing. Um, and so I, I just told him I, I would just get it done for him and help him. It was my dad. He put me through school. Um, I owed him. And my uncles found out about this. There, there are eight dentists in my family total, including my dad. Um, and my brother just married a dentist, so they may you know, wow. reproduce and have a fourth generation of Gladnick dentists. We'll see. But uh, they, once my uncles and my aunt 
um, got wind of the, the free website deal, they wanted in too. Um, I owed one uncle some money from a previous company that went belly up that he was an investor in. So I, I, I had at least one freebie to give out. And the other ones we did it, you know, cut rates. Um, and I decided, you know, being a software engineer, I'd make a software platform for doing this because I was lazy. I didn't want to have to build um, four, five, six websites. I just wanted to build one and then have a system where they could edit it and update it. Um, and that, over the course of the next like year or two, that slowly became a business as they referred their friends um, and colleagues. And eventually, I decided to quit my job and do it full time when it was, I think, like half my income. And I was comfortable enough and decided to move. That was the same week my wife got pregnant uh, wow. with my first child. So it was great timing but uh, to start a business. But the rest has been – it's been great. It's been a great ride. It's been about uh, 12 years since I got that first phone call from my dad and started coding. That's fantastic. There's so many misnomers about websites out there. I mean, everybody pretty much, and actually there's a surprising number of dentists who don't have websites, but I would imagine everyone listening to this episode definitely has a website. But a lot of times, just like your dad experienced, it was old, it was out of date. And so many people say, I've got a website, I've checked that box, it's time to move on. But there's so much more to having a website than just uh, having a website, if that makes sense. It's it's not just the act of checking the box saying, hey, I have the website. There are, are so many things that add value to your practice if you do it right. And if you do it wrong, it can be detrimental to your to your practice. You're not going to grow or get some of those new patients. So can you talk a little bit about how websites have changed even since that first website you did with your dad, where the, the state of the internet is now, and how someone can be successful and make sure that their website today is checking uh, not just checking the box, but it's actually a profit center is actually driving revenue to their practice. Yeah, there's a lot of big questions in there. Um, I'll do my, my best to parse through them. Um, I mean, th- things have changed dramatically since I started doing this. Um, Google search results are very hyper-local now. So before there was no concept of like, you know, where you are. So you could kind of optimize a website to be anywhere. Yeah, and let me, so even if you're, let me just jump in real quick. Hyperlocal, for those of you yeah. listening that don't know, is this idea of the near me search or that uh, ge- geographical search that is really close to the proximity of the searcher. Uh, according to Google last year, actually, that increased 500% that near me or that super local search. So when Jeff says hyperlocal, I just wanted to define for those who, who don't know what that means. I wanted to throw that out there, but sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, that, that's absolutely correct and, and a good fill-in. Um, yeah, searches for a dentist or dentist near me or restaurant, Google is assuming that you want something local and they're finding brick-and-mortar stores for you rather than general information about what a dentist right. is. And that was that was a huge shift. And all like websites kind of had to be retuned and, to take advantage of local search. And Bing does the same thing. Yahoo's using whoever. They're not really a player anymore, but Google's the main the main dog. Um, the other thing, the other huge change we saw was mobile first. Uh, I think a majority of web searches now, I think everywhere are done on mobile in some urban areas. We have some clients in like really urban areas in Australia where it's like North of 80%. Um, and that, that was a huge shift uh, adapting to the smaller screens. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, people found out they had to redo the website you know, multiple times to make a, a new mobile site or a mobile responsive site. And it's not just so it looks good on a small screen, which is critical, but also so that the information that someone on their phone on the go is looking for is more accessible. And I think that's something a lot of people don't often think of. They're like, if I just make my normal website a smaller version, it'll work. But really, there's more to that. Could you speak to that for a moment? Oh, yeah. And, and you have to think that, you know, oftentimes people have different requirements. If, if somebody's on their phone, it may be because they're in their car trying to find directions to your office. 
and they remember your, your name, so they Google you and they get to your website. And then it's important to have a, a link to get directions uh, right at the top um, or click the call button. Um, like the last thing you want to do, a lot, uh, as much as illegal as it is in most in many jurisdictions and is bad a practice, a lot of people are on their phones in traffic. And if you guys are driving right now, listening to this, just look around and just start counting them. Look up from um, your phone and look around. We, yeah, <laughs> yeah look, up, look up from your own phone and look out the window. Um, thank God for autopilot or, and self-driving cars coming into the fray here. But uh, that, you know, we, we want to make it easy for people to, to click through and, Having just a little thing like a click to call button, there's just less friction of, ha- of somebody having to like cut and paste. And we've all had that experience where you don't get the whole number; you have to go right. back and get the rest of it. So, look, like having a contact form um, that's easily fillable, where you don't have to like switch back and forth between email. They may not have email configured, or they may be on you know a public computer or somebody else's phone. Um, so, um, and that and that's one thing that uh, we've seen take place very differently for referrals. Uh, somebody may be talking to a friend at a coffee shop and they may take out their own phone and show them the dental practice. And wouldn't it be nice for them to be able to contact them and not have to use the friend's email and just fill out a form? That's a very easy thing to add. Um, and speaking of referrals, like uh, usually uh, we'll, we'll get feedback from clients and they'll, they'll, they'll tell us that, uh, oh, I get all, all of my clients from word of mouth. But when you really dig into it, and I've done this with my, some of my dad's patients, and you speak directly to the patients and ask them a couple more follow-up questions like, did you view the website? Did you look at any online reviews? Did you visit our social media profiles? And they say yes, yes, and yes. Well, there's a little bit more to that story. Um, and what we commonly see are these uh, review con- – or not re- review, but referral contests, for lack of a better term, where somebody will go on Facebook. And I see these every month because um, I live a, in a new development and so a bunch more people will close on houses that are still being built and they'll move in at the end of the month and they all ask the same thing. Um, where's your you know, pediatrician? Where's your vet? Hmm. Where's your dentist? And who do you like? And then like 10 people jump in and say, go to Dr. Smith, go to Dr. Johnson, um, go, to, you know, go to Dr. Jones or whoever. And so it becomes this contest. And so they, you may have been referred by Ryan Vett who chimed in to that uh, Facebook chain. But there's, there's a lot more to that going on. And that's where if you have good reviews, good content on your website, which I'm happy to talk more about, um, that can make the difference in swaying someone who was referred by many people into picking the referral that was from one of your Absolutely. patients about you. Well, let's talk about content. That's a great point that you bring up and something that uh, the business world is actively engaged in and they have whole teams of content uh, writers, copywriters that do things like this. But in the dental space in particular, it's not really existent. You don't have people generating content. Talk about why content is important, not just uh, from a reader's perspective, but also how that helps your ranking. Yeah, I, I, like Google will give you – there's always – there's kind of a misnomer of like a Google like duplicate content penalty. And that's that's probably a – not the most accurate way to describe it, but they certainly don't give you any extra points if you have the same content as everybody else. And even putting aside Google for a second, um, just individual uh, people browsing your site, especially if they're looking for you know a higher dollar procedure like Invisalign, for example, they may be doing the research. And I, I can still remember um, looking at like three different oral surgeons' websites um, in the same town. They all had the exact same design, the exact same content, and they just swapped out the dentist names. Like some uh, enterprising sales guy went through there and just cleaned up, sold three people the same thing and just walked away. And, you know, if you're referred to like, hey, go to this guy or this guy, um, and then you start looking, you're like, wait a minute, where have I read this before? You're starting to have deja vu. Um, That can happen. 
Um, because they're, I mean, we, I, you'll see websites sometimes and they'll use the exact same description for teeth whitening or Invisalign or implants that's present on like eight or 10,000 other websites. And for a person, if they catch that, that's weird. Um, you know, if you were coming to my business's website and you want to know what we did for our clients and it sounded the same as other website marketing companies, that would not impress you. Right. Um, and, I, and I think the same thing applies for patients too. Um, same thing with examples of your work. Um, it really, and, and same thing for Google. Why would they, you know, they're, they're trying to answer a user's question um, through a search query. And why show yours if there's 8,000 other websites that have the exact same answer? Why call on you? You know, you're, you're just hoping that you're going to be the one in 8,000 chance and it's going to hit. So having unique content um, or participating in the copywriting process actively with whatever marketing uh, company you hire to help you, I think is crucial because every dentist has a unique value proposition that they can bring to bear. And some dentists have, you know, very uh, particular opinions uh, about, you know, mercury amalgams. And we have clients that are on opposite sides of the fence on whether they're toxic or not. Um, some people just like them for aesthetic reasons, but you know, we're, we're not, we don't have any clinical advice. We didn't go to dental school, but you know, that equipment um, treatment philosophy, payment options, there's a lot of things that can go into, cause you might think, well, you know, I'm just, I'm doing teeth whitening. Well, you're not. Like, is it Zoom teeth whitening? Is it core teeth whitening? Do you have take-home kits? Do you have some, you know, herbal baking soda mixture that you got from some hippie in San Francisco in the 60s and you're still <laughs> using that? Um, there's a lot of different things you can do and philosophy, training, education, equipment. It all comes into it. Um, that all needs to come out in the copywriting process. And um, and you have to write enough content. And some, some patients uh, will surprise you and tell you they read every word you know, about that content on your website or every word on the website. Some people really need to feel comfortable. Um, some people just pull the trigger right away. You're the closest dentist. You're open now. They call you. But other people really do their due diligence. And um, I think that makes a difference for, uh, especially for the higher dollar procedures. Absolutely. And I do want to reiterate the fact that you're not just writing copy for your patients. While that is important, you're writing copy for search engines. They read that. They understand that. They, they position you on a search engine result page based on uh, many factors, but content and copy is one of them. You're, you're right. And you, ha- you have to remember you have two audiences, um, as you said, the search engines and the, and the people. And it's, it's, a duff, it's a tough line to thread. And sometimes you can see somebody who's tilted it all the way towards search engines. And it'll say like, you know, this Denver emergency plumber is ready to handle your Denver emergency plumbing right. needs. If you have a Denver emergency plumber, okay, okay, I see what you're doing here. But it just feels so weird and disconnected to a human being. So you don't want to go too far to the to that side of the spectrum either. Right. And thankfully, search engines have gotten a little smarter to pick up on those areas where people are trying to keyword stuff. Yeah, they, they tend to penalize them a little bit more. And, they do. But yeah, uh, content is, is king. They do. And one of the things I hear so often from dentists is that they have a website and they're not going to invest in a new one. Their website's only three, four, five years old, six, seven, eight. I mean, some of them are pretty old. And so they say, hey, it's not worth the money. And I hear that all the time. But you basically have a couple gateways. One, someone's coming to your website and then they're coming through your phone. You're not going to stop paying your phone bill and you're not going to stop making sure that your phone is connected to the grid and your phone number is active in the same way that you you shouldn't stop paying for your website. I mean, this is a major gateway through which people come to your practice or find out about your practice. And so talk a little bit about pricing and ROI uh, on a website. ROI is not exactly measurable uh, directly, but there are some key things that could be impacted negatively if your website isn't up to date. So could you talk a little bit about pricing and why it's worth investing in, in a good website? Are you talking about like what the typical range of prices we charge or... 
or the market in general, or what are you looking Just for? Just more in general, why it's important to invest in a website, and then uh, we can get into specific pricing in a minute. But just why why it's worth investing, why it's worth upgrading. Yeah, I, I mean, a, a lot of clients, um, or you know, not, uh, hopefully not of ours, but a, a lot of dentists will will just kind of check a box and say, "Well, I have a website, and that's that." And if they've gotten all their patients from you know non online sources, they they may be comfortable with that. They may have you know good relationships with insurance companies, and that's the type of business they're doing. But um, I know a lot of dentists, and we've worked with many, have created their businesses through online marketing, uh, through pay per click, Facebook ads, SEO, and those are all options um, that you can consider for people who are looking for a dentist online now. And a lot of the old options like the phone book have gone away and it may cost some money to pay for ads on Google. And um, you know, it may cost the cost of acquisition for a new Invisalign patient may be a couple hundred bucks, but that may be totally worth it for someone who's going to spend a couple thousand dollars right off the bat, right. um, much less the the six hundred fifty um, average you know patient value for the first year that you mentioned. For some procedures, it's it's mu- many multiples of that. Um, and there, there's lots of different options you can do. Uh, Facebook is really good for finding demographic uh, targets. So yep. you know moms who just moved to an area um, are are pretty prime, uh, especially, and you can target ba- based on income. It's, it's, on, it's scary how, how much data Facebook has and people are becoming more aware of it and they are starting to ratchet back some of the options, but not really. Um, there's still a lot of demographic targeting you can do with Facebook. Um, and AdWords is really good for, you know, people who need something now. Um, it's much, it's much more, it's much better at identifying intent. Um, Facebook is good for demographic matching, but pay-per-click will tell you somebody who really needs dentists now. So, and then SEO kind of does the same thing. It just takes a little bit longer. So you have to be a little bit more patient. Um, pay-per-click is just like going to the grocery store and buying your food. Uh, SEO is like planting seeds, but you got to water it a bit and, you know, get the weeds out and uh, harvest it eventually. That's, that's but a great it way will to come through. Yeah, great way to put that. I like that a lot, that analogy. So now we can talk a little bit about price. I, I've done in my former life corporate consulting, I mean, people would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on websites, hundreds of thousands easily. And so let me say right now to anyone that says a website's too expensive, just about anyone offering a website in dental is getting nowhere close to those numbers. They're much more reasonable and they specialize. So they understand a dentist's need and what the patients are looking for and they specialize in that. So what would you say the average price ranges are and what are some key things that uh, somebody should look at when trying to choose a website provider when they want to upgrade their website? The, the specialization thing is a good point. Um, I remember at one point we realized that the, the search traffic on teeth whitening was 20x tooth bleaching and like 8x just the simple uh, change of like tooth whitening versus teeth whitening. Um, as far as, uh, and, and that, that you will get that from, you know, people that have done enough dental projects and we're not, you know, alone in this. I'm sure there's many people who figured that out, uh, that you will have this kind of advantage versus a local web developer who, who may, if they've done a couple dental projects, they may be able to, to figure it out, but you may have to help, help hold their hand a bit. For most, I, I think there's a couple of segments of the market. Um, you'll have like kind of dentist website in a box, which I view kind of like as a temporary crown. This is maybe a fine starting point if you're on a budget, but this should not be the end game solution. Those are usually ranging a couple thousand bucks, like one to three thousand. Custom sites usually range from like two to six, depending on the company and how custom you're doing, how much writing there is, how many bios you have to write, how many services are offered how much content has to be uploaded and whether or not you're branding. 
And then marketing is usually added on top of that. Um, SEO usually is there's there's usually either a contract involved with some companies that and then they you know they they finance the the SEO setup costs over a 12 month period, or they'll like we do charge a, a small setup fee and then charge you X number of dollars per month to do SEO and those prices range wildly. Um, it, it all that varies on experience or not experience but um, competitiveness in the city. So not that competitive markets maybe a couple hundred bucks low hundreds. Really competitive urban core markets in you know tier one cities, maybe a couple thousand. Um, or and there's always lots of little things you can do and target by the neighborhood to try to make that a smaller bite um, initially, and then expand from there. Um, and then pay per click is really just whatever you want your ad budget to be with Google. We have clients that spend you know like eight hundred bucks. We have clients that spend several thousand. Um, it all depends on what your appetite is and what the market can bear for supply. Um, obviously, the more urban area you are, the more supply of uh, people searching for dental services there is. Yeah, absolutely. When people ask me how much uh, do they should they spend on pay-per-click ads in particular, I say, how much money do you want to make? Often, there's a direct correlation between what you put in and what you get out. And at some point, it plateaus and there's diminishing returns, so you don't want to invest further. But a lot of people say, I want to do the bare minimum. It's like, great, expect bare minimum results. And so it is something that you do get what you pay for. Uh, especially with pay-per-click ads. And websites are the same way. People that have had their website for a long time, it's not going to be the most modern. The code's not going to be up to snuff. And Google really looks at the quality of code now um, as part of one of their ranking criteria when they're doing SEO. And so if you're not up to date on that and you have something from the early 2000s or even several years ago, that can that can penalize you and push you back a little bit. Uh, absolutely. And there's, there's lots of little technical requirements that you, you just wouldn't guess um, unless you do this for a living. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, Google, Bing and Yahoo and other search engines all got together and said, hey, we want to um, standardize the way that we classify local businesses. So they created a website called schema.org and it has every business imaginable defined there. And dentist is one of them. And they want you to embed that code under the hood and tell them, you know, when you're open, what your latitude, longitude coordinates are to like eight decimal places, because that helps with um, mobile search when they can just mm-hmm. kind of figure out who's closest. Um, and and th- that helps with all sorts of classification. Um, another time we figured out that if we compress all of the source code on all of our client sites to a single line of code, that sped up sites by like 2.7%. And that's a small thing, but there's lots of little technical things like this that make sites speedier, make them more in tune with what search engines really want uh, from a programming standpoint that does move the needle on performance when they, when you add up 100, a thing, 100 things like that. They're little 1% things, but you add it all together and there's essentially a score you're getting Absolutely. that they don't publicize um, that search engines are giving your website and that is how they rank. Absolutely. Well, it's like kids. I mean, kids today in elementary school, middle school, they have a totally different vernacular than when we were in school. They use new words and different words. It's the same thing with websites. The, the basic language is the same, but how you make it relevant is totally different. And making sure that your website is up to date is critical for your success online. Yeah, Absolutely. So, Jeff, with just a couple minutes that we have left here, do you have anything that I miss that you want to share or maybe a couple things that everyone should go back and look at their own website to see if their website's ready to go and up to par or if they should maybe reach out and find find a way to improve their website? Yeah. In addition to having customized content or completely custom content for your website, I would make sure that you have 
uh, bios of the, all at least the dentist, preferably your whole staff, and pictures. It's amazing how many people don't add a picture. The about page or the meet the staff page is one of the most highly trafficked pages on your site. It's probably top three for everybody listening. You want to have proof of work, so before and after gallery images, and a lot of pushback from dentists as well. You know, I'm still working on this or I'm going to take another course in like six months. Your work now is good enough. Um, your you know, other dentists might be able to find some flaws, but the patients won't. Almost everyone, yeah, almost every time I've heard that from a dentist, I've looked at it and it's been fine um, and it looks great. And they're just dentists are perfectionists and they're you know overly critical of themselves. And the other thing is video testimonials too. Um, you really want to have. Uh, you know, social proof and having actual patients. And I don't mind if you shoot these with your iPhone, we send all of our clients little tripods so they can at least have a steady hand. But um, iPhone video testimonials come off as very authentic and authenticity is the key quality in those videos we want. We don't need high production value and Barbara Walters filters on it um, to make it look like really perfect because it'll, it'll almost feel a little state. Absolutely. I'd rather have it look raw and real. Um, Having that type of unique content on the site um, is crucial for winning more referral contests and converting more of the patients to get to your website, no matter how they got there, whether it was marketing through a company like us or referral, or you handed them your business card, um, whatever, however they got there, that will help convert them. Absolutely. And just a tidbit on the video production, uh, listen back a couple episodes earlier this season in season two, and you can hear Janice Hurley dentistry's image expert talk about how to do good video testimonials and shoot high quality video uh, that doesn't have to cost you an arm and a leg and has that authentic appeal that jeff was just talking about so that that dovetails in nicely so definitely listen back a couple episodes if you want to hear that but jeff uh, i appreciate your time here and i know people are dying to know how do you fly first class to australia for free Uh, my wife and i we you know like i said i'm a points guy uh, so we flew to hawaii when i was speaking at the aapd last year we, we flew there first class, didn't cost us, and we uh, stayed at a hotel afterwards on Maui. So we island hopped back and forth, and that didn't cost us, and stayed in Maui at a hotel that's normally about $1,200 a night, and we didn't pay for it. So it, there's ways to do it, and I would love to hear uh, some of your tips and your favorite trip, and maybe someone uh, listening can ha- have a wonderful uh, vacation this summer. I, I love talking about this stuff um, because this has really changed my life as far as travel is concerned. And not only like is it a better experience, but it opens up new possibilities that you probably wouldn't have considered before. And I fly to Australia. We have a, a small office in Sydney um, with a couple of Aussies in it um, about twice a year. And so this became you know very important to me to how to how to be functional when I'm crossing you know a different date. Forget a time zone. I'm crashing the international right. date zone. Your body's totally screwed up, and whether or not you get a night of sleep on that plane makes all the difference in the world. Um, it's 16 and a half hours on the way down. And so my, my experience before and after I kind of made these changes was, you know, before I would wait in line at the airport counter. Then I would go through security and get molested or radiated or both. Then I'd have to sit somewhere uncomfortable, eat crappy food. Then I'd wait in line again to board, sit in a crummy seat. I leave, wait for my bags. They come out eventually, find a rental car, wait for that, find a hotel. And after putting this system into place, and it took a good year or two to kind of figure it out and get the, the kinks out. You know, I, I check in in the priority or first class lane, even if I'm not flying in first class. I have TSA pre-check and I have global entry. I don't get molested. I go right to the front. Um, there's smaller lines. I usually eat and relax for free in a lounge. And sometimes 
the lounges are extremely nice. The Qantas first class lounge um, that I'm able to access through my status with American Airlines and LAX has a like a you know an excellent restaurant built mm. in. The one in Sydney is even better. Like there's just people in white coats, um, you know, serving you a Definitely. menu and you just order off the menu for free. You know, I board first. I sit in business class. My seat converts to a bed. My bags come out first. They don't get lost because they have special tags on them. I have priority rental car status, um, which is usually a free upgrade. And I have priority uh, hotel status. Well, again, free upgrade. And I don't really pay for any of this. There's some hotel fees or not hotel fees, but credit card fees associated with some of the cars. But yeah, sometimes there's, you know, um, uh, fees for cashing in the points, but usually that can be like five bucks for the flight sometimes and at worst like a hundred. So I'll I'll give you an example of of how I typically approach this. Um, The way that we structure our travel in my family is we don't say, I want to go to Hawaii next summer. You know, we say instead, here are 10 places we would like to go um, that, and you know, they may be ordered, but you know, it may be Greece. There may be South America. We may want to go to Buenos Aires. We may want to go to Hawaii and Tahiti and Australia and New Zealand and Germany and England. And so, and then we, we know the times that we can go cause we're, we're kind of changing school schedules now. So, um, and then I just start looking periodically and I set up Google alerts for, um, you know, like business class, like um, redemption deal or, and there's a bunch of, um, blogs like the points guy, one mile at a time view from the wing. And they'll sometimes post amazing redemption deals like that. There's one today, um, for wide open award space from DC to Egypt. Hmm. So if you were looking to see the pyramids and you live in DC or you can connect through DC, um, which we can all do if we're, you know, flying East, um, that's, that's open today. And so you just have to you have to change your mind about what you're going to do next summer as opposed to I'm going to do one of 10 things next summer. That's the first key. The second thing you need to do is you need to build up an accumulation of points in a couple places. And usually that means Amex, Chase, and then maybe one of the airlines like United, um, American, right. or Delta. And so I have a couple hundred thousand points in Amex, a couple hundred thousand points on Chase, and a couple hundred thousand points in American Airlines. And that way... When one of these opportunities comes up, that more or less covers you for the three different alliances. There's groups of like airlines that band together, and Americans part of One World, United is part of Star Alliance, and Delta has like Sky Team yeah. or something, and that gets you into almost every airline on the planet. And so, if you have those points kind of stockpiled and ready to go, when a great deal comes up, you can get it at the cheapest possible price, and then you cross off one of your ten. Um, there's some other. There's a there's a web there's a uh, a message form called Flyer Talk that posts business class deals from time to time, and again it, it, it's hard to find if you really need a flight to Hawaii on Christmas Day, but if you can go to one of ten places on Christmas Day, there's a good chance you can get one of them. Um, there's another tool I use called Expert Flyer that costs ten bucks a month, but that has been awesome, especially for harder to find routes like Australia, where you just say you know you just put in like twenty days and you say I want to go in June next year and I'll take any day in June to go down there and um, just let me know when something opens up. And then, you know, I'll, I'll get emails once in a while from expert flyer for alerts. I've forgotten about that. Now there's now a business class seat available for upgrade or available for points purchase at the lowest yeah. redemption rate. Um, and so, so if you create a system like that, where you're, you know, you're flexible, you have the points to jump on any opportunity and you have some, alerts in place to automatically monitor so you don't go crazy, you'll you'll get to do a lot of cool vacations. 
Um, I took all, all four of my family um, in business class to Australia last year. I saw an alert um, on a blog um, that, that had some space. I found a day that worked, and we, we booked it. And you can also just kind of – you can usually fire and forget and then ask later. So you can book the flight, and then you have like 24 hours to cancel it with no penalties on almost every airline. I think American will let you hold one for like three to five days. So you can book it right now and then convince your spouse or your family – to, to do this and then try to find right. hotels and, and make it work and ask for time off. So you do have a window. You don't have to get all that sorted out in advance and ask for time off from work. If you have, if you can get a quick uh, reply back, you might be able to do that. Um, the way to get these points in the first place, uh, it, the sign-up bonuses on credit cards is key. I have a spreadsheet to track all these. We have stickers on our cards. My wife hates the system, but she loves the travel. Um, so, you know, there's credit cards say use this for gas, use That's this for awesome. groceries, you know, use, use this for parking, use this for travel, use this for the phone bill, the electric bill. And you can go nuts with this, but once you, usually you get like four or five cards that become your core that you keep long term and you just have certain recurring expenses put on those. And then, you know, the, if you were getting, you know, 50,000 points just on Southwest before it turns into, you know, 200,000 points just from optimizing where that money gets spent and getting the bonuses on the cards to get yep. the most bonus for that category of spend. And then you can transfer the points to Southwest anyway. Um, but that that's the key uh, to doing this. You get the sign-up bonuses when, the, when they're big, um, keep uh, you know a couple cards long and have them on the right categories of spend, build up those uh, banks, set up alerts, and then you know make your ten your top ten places to go and just start knocking them off in the order in which they present themselves to you. That's to great, explore. Jeff. And if you don't have current frequent flyer programs and you're not registered or hotel programs, you've wasted every single stay you've ever had and you've wasted every single <laughs> flight you've ever flown. It blows my mind how many people don't have these. So do that now. Like that's the first step. And then look at other credit cards and things based on you know if you're at a hub, obviously. Uh, you'll probably want to lean towards the airline that that's there, but there's definitely ways to uh, hack the system and it's very rewarding and you get to do some incredible things. Obviously, if you have a website that drives great patients to your practice, you're not going to have to work as many days anyway, and you can have the extra money to spend even if you don't have the point system worked out. So Jeff, I really appreciate your time. Or you'll have to true. work more. True. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Or hire an associate so you can go to Greece and you can go to Australia and Hawaii. Always do that. Uh, well, Jeff, I really appreciate your time on the show and just talking about how important it is to identify the patient, patient search and just be the best that you can be uh, online so that when that patient calls, uh, you've already captured their attention. And then obviously, thanks for sharing your tips and tricks on how to travel the world a little bit better. I appreciate your time and thank you all for listening to the Dental Experience Podcast. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Dental Experience Podcast. For show notes, to ask a question, or for more information, visit www.thedentalpodcast.com. The ideas discussed during this episode are the opinions of the participants and do not serve as legal, financial, or clinical advice. Until next time, this is the Dental Experience Podcast.